All right, it's Mortgage 101 with Clint Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, in the fine cities of Ottawa and Halifax. What do you think of that, Clinton? You know what? I think probably a couple of the best cities in Canada. I think the two best cities in Canada, hands down. Hands down, and uh, you're listening to us here on the weekend. Yeah, I wonder what, you know, the weekend, when that was developed. I don't know. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, historically. I wonder who came up with that. Who came up with the weekend? I don't think it was the weekend the artist, though. Let's just say that. (laughs) You may think that's funny, but. That's true. So we're thrilled to be here in our our two fine cities. Mortgage 101, your guide to homeownership, as mentioned. And uh, Clint Wilkins, for those who don't know any, I can't imagine people don't know about you, but uh, let them know about what you are all about for people tuning in for the first time, what you do. I'm a mortgage broker here in Halifax. We have offices in uh, downtown Halifax and in downtown Dartmouth. And I've been in the mortgage industry for 16 years. Recently, we just passed a big milestone. Yeah, billion bucks. One billion in mortgage uh, volume funded. And uh, you know what? It's been a real ride. As you can imagine, there's been a lot of changes that's ha- that have happened in the mortgage industry in the last you know, 16 years since I started. Yep. And uh, you know, there's nothing that I would rather do with my life currently. You know, I haven't always been here. Uh, I haven't always been in like this mindset of, you know, things are, are good and I, you know, I'm happy. But right now, you know what? There's nothing else that I would rather do than this. And, um, you know, the only thing that I really talk about all day long is mortgage lending. Yeah. And so, that's why you're going to hear it for the next hour. <laughs> so, so, so hopefully. When you, so when you're talking a billion bucks, you're talking about a total deals, total mortgages, like mm-hmm. combined. That's what you're talking combined about. Combined a billion. And we started tracking uh, that from 2009 onward. So right. that's basically our 2009 results to to today. And um, we passed the billion mark sometime in early February, yeah. uh, which is, you know, a big milestone. As you can imagine, in Halifax, our average mortgage amounts are probably one of the lower, you know, amounts from the entire country. Yeah. Even now, yeah. even with what's happening in the marketplace out there. Um, it's so for the major cities you're talking for the major cities. Yeah. So as you can imagine, we have to do a lot of transactions to be able to compete on the national level. And, you know, we've been able to do that. Um, I've been awarded broker of the year three times for uh, who, um, uh, for more, uh, under, uh, the Canadian mortgage awards. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's very prestigious. Yeah, and I'm actually nominated this year. I'm in a finalist, and uh, they're now doing it uh, for different regions. So I'm nominated for Atlantic Canada, and we'll be in Toronto for the uh, Canadian Mortgage Awards here in April. So super excited for that. So what's been the biggest challenge getting uh, getting the business to where it is today? What are some of the biggest challenges? Well, you know, I think it, just like any small business, Todd, uh, it, it, there's good times and there's bad times. And, you know, I've made some good decisions. I've made some bad decisions. And, um, you know, here we are today. There have been times that I've wanted to quit. Yeah. I won't, I won't lie to you. You know, I think in Halifax, the economic situation wasn't as hot maybe, um, you know, the 2000. Uh, 12, 13, 14. It was kind of like a bit stagnant a here. Rough, yeah. And, um, you know, I was probably, you know, living that good life and wanting to go on vacation, drive my fancy cars and all these things. And um, uh, what's changed? Uh, well, what's changed is I kind of went back to work. Yeah. I think at one point I was kind of like just skimming the cream off the top. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't really putting the, um, uh, you know, sweat equity into yeah. it or the, you know, the muscle into in, in, into actually running the business and seeing clients. And I actually see clients full time. And I think that surprises people. 
I think some of the uh, clients of our business, they perceive that, you know, I do things like the radio and, you know, I wrote a book and we do a home ownership guide and, uh, you know, other media things that, that we do. And they think that that's what I do full time, right. you know, and manage the business operations and stuff like that. But I actually do see clients. Yeah. And I, I think that provides the most value to our business here, but also to our consumers because I'm in the thick of it. And it's not just the other mortgage brokers who work here on my team. Um, you know, I'm doing transactions every single day so I can see what the challenges are. And, um, you know, we've done over 4,200 transactions since that 2009 mm -hmm. date. Um, I want to say that we've seen everything, mm -hmm. but every day I see something new. No, you don't. I, I honestly do. Yeah. Um, everybody's situation is different. You know, every, every file that we look at is like a snowflake. It's made up of a combination of income and assets and credit. And we need to figure out what the best path is for that consumer. It's really, you know, I find it very empowering. I, I love what I do. Yep. You know, we make dreams happen. You know, we get first time home buyers in, into homes. Um, you know, we put people in a better financial position, potentially with a refinance. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the transactions that we do every day are for existing clients, repeat clients and referrals from those existing mm -hmm. clients, obviously. So, uh, obviously we love helping new clients, Todd, and we're in the business, obviously of mortgage lending. We want to do every single transaction that we can do. Um, you know, obviously we have capacity and we can't help everyone. I mean, I, I assume everyone understands that. What do you mean you have capacity? Can't help everyone. Well, we can't, we can't do every single transaction. You know, there's thousands of transactions that are happening every year and even in the province of Nova Scotia. Yeah. Um, well, you do every, anybody who comes to you and wants you to do a transaction, you're, you're going to make that happen. For yeah, them. we'll we'll make it happen. Obviously, within we have some constraints or some transactions that we just are not able to do and some transaction types out that, that, you know, we don't do maybe as often. Um, but, you know, for the lion's share of the customers that come in to see us, we want to do every single transaction that we can. And we want to provide those consumers with the best advice. And quite honestly, we will not do transactions when we don't think it's in the client's best interest. Yeah. Give me an I, example. I'm going to give you an example. I actually had a transaction this week and I had an approval for this client. Mm -hmm. Some of the situation changed. They wanted to change, you know, the mortgage amount, the closing date, um, you know, and based on their current scenario, they had an approval at another lender. The other lender was actually able to provide a lower rate because they got the approval before my file started. Mm -hmm. And obviously we know pricing changes from time yeah, to time. Yeah. Um, and I recommended that client go back to that existing lender. I would have loved to have the transaction. Mm -hmm. It would have made my life a, a little bit easier, honestly. Um, yeah. But it wasn't the right thing for the customer. Yeah. And I would rather give advice like that. You know, if the client likes it or doesn't like it, I'd rather give the client that advice. Yeah than just do transactions for the sake of doing transactions because that's not a sustainable business model and it's not a business model that we want to be in. Right. We want to be able to give the advice. And I think that's what really kind of differentiates us in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. But I think also it differentiates us from going to see a bank lender. The bank lenders are only able to give what they have access to. Right. We have access to a variety of different products, a variety of different lenders. And you know, we can look at the entire situation and kind of figure out what the best, you know, the best path is. How rare do you think that is in your business that somebody, your competitors, and I'm not looking for you to name anybody or mm -hmm. anything like that, but it's, it's obviously quite rare that somebody would say, look, you're getting a better deal. You should go for that better deal. I would say it's, it's quite rare. Yeah. And, you know, there's a couple, uh, obviously, things that, that could 
come into play here. There are some ultra discounted brokerages out there that are like you're dealing with online and like a call, a call center, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think sometimes they may have that buying power to provide a lower rate. And if it's all about rate, that's probably where the customer should go, yeah. to be honest. We really pride ourselves on being that full service brokers that we're going to be able to give that advice. We have brick and mortar locations. Like we are in an old bank branch here in, in downtown Halifax. We're actually recording um, here Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, so you're listening to us on the weekend, but it's Wednesday night and we're recording. We're actually in my office in downtown Halifax. And, you know, we believe in brick and mortar. I think we run our business kind of like it is a bank branch in some ways. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're not a bank. We're not, we're not owned by a bank. We're independent. We're part of a national brokerage. And uh, we've access to a variety of lenders. But what really sets us apart, I think, is the lenders that we have, we have a very deep and entrenched relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, oftentimes can enable us to you know dig a little bit deeper maybe on the pricing piece so you know give a very competitive rate but also get that service and we likely are able to get you know maybe you know an exception that maybe somebody can't can't get mm-hmm. you know we, i think when you have a lot of volume behind you like kind of like what we have the lenders that we deal with if we need to go to the table and really ask maybe for help or for an exception we're probably more likely to get it you know, yeah. and, you know, I, I think it's kind of like the Costco analogy. Um, you know, what? where is it better to buy your toilet paper? Is it better to buy it at Costco? Is it better to buy it at the grocery store, grocery store or is it better to buy it at the corner store? And in some ways, due to, our, due to our volume, you know, we have the buying power of something like a Costco or the grocery store would be. So uh, in the show today, we're going to talk about uh, what do you want to get to next? Refinance? Do you think that would be? And what else do you want to talk about? You know, I spring think spring around the corner, it's, right? It's spring, and you know, we kind of coin it as spring into home ownership. Spring yeah. is literally two weeks away here, Todd. Yeah. Um, so we're pretty excited about spring. Spring is typically one of the busiest housing markets across the country. Mm-hmm. So you know, we want to talk a little bit about what's going on, uh, you know, here in Halifax, and you know, some of the challenges. Right. Um, I certainly want to talk about refinance and. For existing homeowners, spring might be a good time to refinance, and we can talk a little bit about that. Um, and I think we would be remiss to say, uh, you know, about what's happened with the Bank of Canada last yeah, week. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so we'll be right back. Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vina, Mortgage 101 returns in a bit. All right, we're back. Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. Rocking out on the weekend. I mean, here's a good local Halifax song. Uh, What's that doing for our Ottawa audience? Well, you know what? Maybe they know Matt Mays in Ottawa. I'm guessing they probably do. And if they don't, they do now. They do now. I mean, you can go on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Music and... Listen to all the songs you want to listen to. <laughs> there you go. Maybe you're in your car uh, this morning. Going to get your Tim Hortons. Or if you're in Ottawa, maybe Starbucks. And maybe you're getting your Starbucks in Halifax, too. That's true. Who knows? Or maybe you're going to a local coffee shop. Even better. I mean, we love to support local. That's right. We sure and, do. you know, I'll give a little shout out. You know, when you support a mortgage broker, you are supporting local. That's true, eh? Yeah. Yeah, you're you're a small business owner, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And, you know... How many employees do you have, by the way? 
We have uh, like 11 employees here. 11? Because mm-hmm. you, in both offices, you get yep. two offices, right? So, so. And obviously, we have some subcontractors and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, we certainly do have a great team behind us. And the one thing that I pride myself on, we actually answer the phone. You won't be able to get us here on the weekend. But, you know, during the day, yeah. we try to answer every call that we can. You know, obviously, we have an auto attendant just like every business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we can't answer, then, you know, you can still ring through to who you need to talk to. Right. Um, but we strive to warm or, you know, live answer, I guess the, the word is, live yeah. answer the telephone. Yeah, good. All right, let's talk about the Bank of Canada. For the first time in a very, very long time, mm-hmm. you and I chatted about this the, on, on my radio show mm-hmm. on City News 95.7, the day that uh, the Bank of Canada, well, we do this every time Bank of Canada. That's right, yeah. That's what you join me on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they raised the rate uh, just ever so slightly, and uh, what you, what was your general takeaway on that? You know what? I think it, 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 it economists have been saying for a while that the Bank of Canada is going to increase this key overnight rate. Um, you know, they were speculating there might have been increases last year, and then in January they were going to increase it. Um, so no one was surprised when there was an increase, um, and they needed to to stay the inflation. As you know, right now, um, Canada, we're suffering from you know high inflation. The inflation is uh, above the target. We're seeing that in gas prices. I mentioned that we're seeing this even when you're buying chicken breasts and things like this. So, you know, part of the reason that we're seeing this high inflation, Todd, is people were home for two years. They weren't shopping. They weren't buying things. You know, they were maybe renovating their homes, um, but they were stockpiling cash, basically. Yeah. And now that things are reopening, um, consumers are out in the market and they're buying things, which is creating some supply chain issues. And it's a, and uh, you know, inflation is really tied to you know that supply and demand. And the demand in the market is higher than the supply is for a lot of things, and that's driving uh, obviously up the inflation. And one of the levers that the Bank of Canada and really the federal government has is to increase this key overnight rate, and that will help stay the inflation. Yeah. Some economists are projecting that we're going to be at the target inflation by the end of the year, which I think is good news. You know, uh, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen Say in the world. Say that again. They're predicting what? That the inflation is going to be at target. Which is what? What's the target? It, well, they, they, they set a threshold where they want the inflation to yeah. be. So I think, you know, normally inflation somewhere like 3%, let's say. Yeah. Um, and that's basically where the government wants to have the inflation. And right now, we are at historic highs yeah. in terms of inflation. So they increased the key overnight rate by 25 basis points. So that's 0.25. Yeah. And obviously that inc- that uh, directly impacted the prime rate. With mo- most lenders, prime rate is now 2.7%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when the Bank of Canada increases the key overnight rate, typically what happens, Canadians start saving money. It's just a symptom of a higher borrowing cost. Yeah. Um, and that's really what... The government is trying to do um, in Halifax. You know, our gas prices are near the two dollar uh, yeah, a be, liter. And they'll be over that as well soon. And in some uh, you know areas around the world, obviously, it's much more than two dollars a liter. Um, you know, our 0.25 uh, increase in the key overnight rate is not insignificant. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it has an impact. Yeah. If you have a variable rate mortgage, on average, your payment's going to increase about twelve dollars and fifty cents or so. Uh, per 100,000 of mortgage. Right. Now, obviously, things like amortization makes a difference. There are yeah. So I'm using just yeah. like a very yeah. general, yeah. Very general. Um, oversight. Um, and a lot of borrowers are asking, does it make sense to convert into a fixed rate? 
And the majority of them were saying, no, it doesn't make sense. The fixed rates today uh, for an equivalent product for most borrowers are going to be double what they're paying in the variable. There is a lot of runway between where the variable rates are and where the fixed rates are. So usually what we're telling people is to weather the storm. Our average mortgage here is somewhere around 300000 you know, in Halifax. Yep. And uh, so that means the average consumer is seeing about a $35 increase in their mortgage payment based on this increase. There's going to be more. Mm-hmm. You know, the prime rate is going to continue to increase as the, the Bank of Canada tries to stay this inflation. Um, and it, it, the thing is, the prime rate's been lower. Yeah. And it may go down again. There's a lot of uncertainty of obviously what's going on. What's going on with Ukraine yep. is going to have an impact yep. on global markets. So uh, I think if you're in a var- in a variable, you need to stay the stay the course. Yeah. But locking it, let's say, let's suggest you're in a variable and somebody says, "Look, Clinton, I want to lock it in." Mm-hmm. What would the difference probably be at this point between the variable and, and, the, fixed? and the fixed? Depends on what your mortgage amount is. Yeah. But I would say on average, it's going to be like two to three hundred dollars a month more to take a fixed rate. Wow. And here's the thing. Yeah you are going to pay a higher rate for stability. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense to pay that much more just to know what you're paying? Yeah, exactly. Historically, borrowers do better in a variable, Todd. Yeah. Historically, they do. You need to weather the storm. And you know, for us, obviously, our clients, we're doing a lot of communication with them. I put out a post on the Tuesday night before the Bank of Canada obviously made the announcement. The writing was on the wall. So I basically told them what to prepare themselves with. Mm-hmm. Then, obviously, we did a live stream right after the Bank of Canada met, and we emailed all our clients that were in a variable as well as business partners to let them know what happened. And we were actually able to get the message out even before Apple News got the message out. So we're right all over it. Yeah. Uh, we send an SMS out to all our uh, clients that are in a variable that obviously have opted in to receive SMS. We can send them a little quick yeah, e- I received uh, message, it. which is pretty cool, Yeah. right? Yeah. And these are next level things that maybe the bank cannot do. Like we're small enough and nimble enough that we can do things like that, which I think is really cool. But there are some people that are willing to pay that premium, and I'm sure you talk to them. They say, "Look, I want a fixed rate, and and I, and that's fine, right?" Yeah, you know what? It is personal preference. I do not live in your household, and I think if you are losing sleep at night, yeah, maybe having a fixed rate is not a terrible idea. Yeah. You're going to pay for it. It's going to be a costly, you know, stability thing. Um, but if it's impacting you and your sleep lock it in. It's going to cost you and it's going to be more expensive. And there's, you know, obviously some downsides from having a fixed rate, but you know, there's some upsides too. The one thing that I do want to caution, you know, obviously listeners with, if you were going to convert now, instead of weathering the storm in Mm -hmm. the variable rate, what happens if these fixed rates go back down? Exactly. You could pay a very large penalty if you need to break your mortgage early and Canadians are notorious at breaking their mortgage before the term is up. Yeah. Honestly. Why do you say that? You know, uh, life changes, <laughs> right? Uh, the average mortgage in Canada is a five-year term. So many borrowers break their mortgage before the five-year term. Maybe they're buying, they're selling, they could be do- doing a refinance. There's a lot of reasons why people break their mortgages early. Um, one of the big reasons right now existing homeowners are breaking their mortgage early is because values are up. And rates are, are pretty low, pretty low yeah. right? So th- they have the ability to refinance and pull that equity out. And maybe they're going to pay down some debt 
or maybe they're going to you know do some investments or maybe they're going to do some renovations on their home so we can maybe talk a little bit about that too yeah we can talk about refinance there's all types of parts uh, variables uh, concerning mm-hmm. our refinance for sure uh, so let's do that. Um, and what what else you want to talk about uh, in the show today? Uh, we're going to talk, uh, obviously, about what's going on here in the housing market. You know, yeah. um, obviously, we're coming into spring. It's one of the busiest seasons of the year for, uh, obviously, buying and selling homes. So we'll certainly talk more about that um, uh, during the show. Okay. So this is uh, you having a good time though, aren't you? Oh yeah, I'm having a great I'm having a great time. <laughs> this is one of the highlights of your old month, isn't it? It is really. Uh, we get really excited about Mortgage One Hundred One. I just want to give a little quick shout out that the show is going to be available on Anchor and anywhere you want to listen to your podcast. So you can listen to all our old shows there. It's also going to be on social media uh, and on our on our website. So uh, you can certainly check out any of our old content as well. Okay, Mortgage One Hundred One, your guide to home ownership returns. song's really old. You want to know how old that song is? I would be curious to know. It's so old. I was in junior high when it came out. Well, it's not older than me, I don't think. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'm just saying that's that's old. That's a minute. That's a minute ago. I was in junior high when this song came out. Wow. What year was that? The 80s. Early 80s. Early 80s. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's not very nice. <laughs> Well, you know what? I don't even know why I started laughing. I just, I was born in the early 80s. You know, a lot of good things came out of the 80s. That's true. A lot of good music. That's a good. You like I'll, Billy Joel, eh? You're Billy Joel. Oh, yeah. I, I would love to go see him at Madison Square Garden someday. Yeah. So he has a standing engagement there. I think he does one show a month. Yeah, yeah. He's a regular at Madison Square Garden for sure. Yeah, which is kind of cool. So I'll get there someday. And yeah. hopefully I get there while he's still performing. There you go. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, in the fine cities of Halifax and Ottawa. And we've been talking about refinance now. So we're going to get to it, even though you want you tried to push the agenda to something else. And I said, no, we have teased our audience long enough. It's time to talk refinance. So if you're an existing homeowner, this segment's for you. No, more importantly, if you're an existing homeowner with equity in your house, this segment's for you. You know what? I think if you bought your home prior to 2020 in, in, in most areas, you should have equity. You should probably have a yeah. good amount of equity. If you don't have equity in your house and you bought prior to 2020, you've got some serious problems. Or you might have bought in a market or an area that maybe hasn't seen the growth. I don't know. Come I'm going to be nice. <laughs> I'll think, be the good guy I here. I think the vast majority of people who purchased before 2020 would have equity in their house that they had not envisioned. Is that safe to say? I would certainly agree with you. Yeah. In Halifax, in our market, pre-pandemic, um, the average house prices were going up 1%, 2 3% per year. Here's an interesting stat, though. We were starting to see spikes in growth and prices in 2019, even before the pandemic. Yeah. So, you know, Halifax is a desirable place to be. Uh, we have affordable housing here, even though maybe if you live in Halifax, it doesn't feel affordable. But if we look at other areas across the country, our average house price for a detached home is about $500,000. Yeah. And that is very reasonable compared to other areas. And I would venture to say that's reasonable even compared to Ottawa. Yeah. At one time, our market was very similarly priced. 
you know, a lot of federal government employees, yeah. a lot of federal government employees in here uh, in Halifax. Um, and our housing prices was, were similar. Now, um, you know, Ottawa is still significantly more expensive than Halifax. Yeah. Okay. So refinancing, uh, what makes somebody a, a good candidate to refinance besides uh, having equity in the house? You know, I think the other factors really we look at uh, income and really what is the reason for the refinance and what's going on with your current term. Yeah. You know, obviously that's important. If you're going to do a refinance midterm, you're going to pay a penalty in most cases, unless you're going with the, with the same lender. Um, and even in some of those cases, you would still pay a penalty. Um, the people who are refinancing midterm, majority of those people are in a variable rate. Because if you're in a variable and you break your mortgage early, it's only three months interest to get out. Mm -hmm. If you were to break your term early and you were in a fixed rate, you could pay a much larger penalty. How much more? It's either three months interest or an interest rate differential, which is ever higher. The banks are like the casinos. They never lose. Um, Obviously, we look at income and we look at credit when we're doing a refinance, just like any transaction that we do. And a little bit of the mechanics of a refine, how it works you can refinance up to 80% of the current market value. And the market value really means what you could sell your house for right now. Mm -hmm. Who determines that? Usually we get the, you know, insight from the consumer. They usually have a pretty good idea about what their home is worth. And that's what we'll start with. Um, And then sometimes lenders are able to use a low ratio valuation system. So they're using data from the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, from CREA, um, and you know, and obviously any sales that happen within the municipalities, um, they leverage that data to see if the property value is accepted. If it's not accepted automatically, then you would be required to get a full appraisal. Uh, we would order the appraisal and we're required to order it. Um, and sometimes we can order directly from the appraiser, depending on the, which lender we use. Or sometimes we have to order an appraisal through a management uh, company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll order it, we'll send the link to the consumer to pay for the appraisal, and then uh, the appraiser would reach out the con- to the consumer to schedule the time to do the inspection and then prepare the report. When we get the valuation solidified, you know, if that is through the low ratio valuation system or if it's full of, for, from a full appraisal, we can then do the mortgage for a maximum of 80% of that value. And from that new mortgage, obviously we have to pay out what you owe already. Mm-hmm. So I would pay out like any mortgages that were registered to the title of the home, any secured debt, like a HELOC or any of those things, that would be paid. Um, and then any of the proceeds, we could use that to, you know, obviously pay down other consumer debt, uh, do renovations. And I'm seeing a lot of consumers obviously do investments. And a really interesting trend that I'm seeing right now, Todd, I'm seeing a lot of parents either refinance their home or leverage their home or, you know, remortgage their home or whatever you want to call it to give a gift to their kids to get into the housing market. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of young people, first time home buyers buying homes and they have gifts to the tune of six figures. Wow. And in some cases they need it. If you put down 20% or more as a first time home buyer, you can avoid the Canadian Mortgage and Housing yeah. Corporation, the insurance, and all, and our debt servicing ratios. Why would can they be need six figures for a down payment? Well, if the average house price is five hundred thousand, yeah. you might need a hundred thousand down to be able to make the numbers work. Yeah. In many cases, yeah. uh, the rule of thumb around affordability, we look at the household income, um, and from the household income, any any borrowers that are contributing to that income would need to be on the title. Obviously, we can do the mortgage just in one person's name. 
Um, but if both are going to be on the title, or which would also be on the mortgage, the title and the mortgage have to be the same. Um, we can lend typically four to four and a half times uh, consumer's income for a mortgage. So mm -hmm. for example, if the household income is $100,000, let's say, a year, yep. maybe between one borrower or two borrowers, that means that we can do a mortgage of anywhere between four and 450000 You know, that has to be supported by the property value. Mm -hmm. You know, that can't be any more than 80% of what the property value is if we're, if we're doing a refinance. Um, and a lot of consumers are doing this right now. We're doing a lot of refis, yeah. which is very different from what's happening currently in the United States. Refinances are actually down about 60% in the U.S. Why? Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know the whys. I think part of it is um, they might not have weathered the storm quite as good as we did yeah. from the pandemic. So I think that's obviously a consideration. And I don't think they had the growth in the property values that we have had. And they had a, a, a huge subprime meltdown as well in 2008. So perhaps there's... Yeah, the market is very, very different. Yeah, very different. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's as heavily regulated as it is here in Canada. Even the banking industry in general. Yeah, there are hundreds, if not thousands of banks in the U.S. Exactly. Where in Canada, we have a very stable and structured banking system, which is great. You know, our consumers are protected. And, you know, our consumers are getting the right amount of disclosure and information on their mortgage. So, um, you know, I think the way that we do it in Canada is is good. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, a lot of the reasons that consumers will take a five-year term, whether that's a variable or whether that's a fixed, is the bonds are, are out typically for that amount of time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just like any market, it's cyclical. Yeah. You know, things go up, things go down. Currently, obviously, we are in an increasing rate environment. And, you know, some borrowers want to make a move now before the renewal. And some borrowers are willing to pay a penalty just to refinance early. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're looking to do that just to lock in the rate, I don't know if it's worth it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Wait to the renewal. Yeah. But if you're looking to do a refinance with an objective then yes, sometimes that will make sense. And usually what we say is, you know, it needs to make sense to, for us to do it. You know, we just don't want to do a refinance for the sake of doing a refinance. We need to be able to put the consumer in a better financial position. Uh, that's really our goal. So if somebody wants to refinance, some things that they can do in advance, some prep work they can do in advance, obviously, is get some documents together. What, yeah. what advice do you give people so that they kind of hit the ground running so they don't meet with you and you got to start from scratch. You well, say, I think I think the this? one thing is it's like you should know what your credit looks like. You know, oftentimes yeah. we ask people, I'm like, how does your credit look? I don't need to know what your score is. We'll get that through our system. But you, I like to, to just know, like, what is the matrix of your credit? Like, is it good? Is it bad? Is it ugly? You know, what's kind of going on there? Um, we usually recommend borrowers download BorrowWell and Credit Karma. They're free apps. Yeah. And, you know, you can see what's going on with your credit. Um, and then have your income documents readily available. If you are an hourly or a salary employee and you have any variable income, we need the last two years of your T4s and your current pay stub. If you've just changed jobs recently, we'll need a pay stub and a job letter. If you're self-employed and you've been self-employed for quite some time, you know, two, three plus years, we would need the last two years of your tax returns and your notice of assessment. Um, and if you're self-employed, there certainly are other programs out there. So if you're not maybe claiming enough income on your income tax to make it work, 
Uh, you know, there's some state and income programs out there. And if you're newly self-employed, there are some good programs for those people too. Uh, you know, the federal government really wants to kind of cut the red tape in terms of, uh, you know, self-employment. More and more Canadians are becoming self-employed every day. And maybe you want to do a refinance to inject maybe some capital into your business. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but we're certainly seeing a lot of self-employed people. And um, there are programs that are available out there that can really uh, make it make sense. And maybe that's a shorter term mortgage. You know, maybe it's a one or two year term. For some people who have been self-employed over the last couple of years, like a lot of self-employed people, mm -hmm. uh, they've had struggles and they've had to rely on some government assistance. Of course. Like a lot of people have. Yep. How does that factor into all of this? You know, I if, if the income is down, you know, if we can justify it, sometimes we can look at something like a three-year average. Right. You know, we're seeing that for, you know, people that are in the, you know, hairstylist uh, spas, sure. fitness, fitness yeah. travel. We're able to do a three-year average, I think, in some of these cases. Obviously, if, if it's recovered and they're back to kind of like a normal schedule. Um, you know, we can't avoid government shutdowns. Mm -hmm. And I think the lenders understand that. But we need to be able to justify it with some documentation. If you're self-employed and your income was um, negatively impacted, maybe a stated income program works better for you. And oftentimes, these stated income programs might be really more leveraged on what's going on in your bank account. So maybe we'll get six months or 12 months of your bank statements to kind of justify that income. And there's lots of lenders out there that will do, you know, stated income programs. It might not be a bank lender, Todd. Mm -hmm. Bank lenders typically want the income tax to show what the income is. Right. But I know lots of self-employed people that make really great income, but on their income tax, it shows that they're making $30,000 a year. I see it. Is that legal? I mean, it, obviously, if your expenses that you're putting into your business can be claimed, I'm not an accounting person and I'm not the CRA, so I don't know. Um, but here's an interesting adage, we'll say. <laughs> I'm trying to think about something, how to say this appropriately. You can either pay more income tax or maybe you have to pay a higher interest rate. Right. Yeah. I have a funny, like, a little, like, I don't know if it's appropriate for the radio. And uh, I don't want to offend anyone, but, you know, you either have to pay more income tax or in some cases, if you're self-employed, you have to pay a higher rate if we have to do some of these stated income type programs. All right, we've got another segment to go. What do you want to talk about? Well, who? Putting you right on the spot right now. What do you want? What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the housing market here in Halifax. Yeah. Obviously, if you're here in Halifax and you're listening, you're living it. Um, you know, and for our li listeners in Ottawa, some of you may be wanting to move to Halifax yeah. and Atlantic Canada, and we'd love to welcome you with open arms. We just want to kind of give you a little update on what's going on. Okay, Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership uh, returns when we come back. Welcome back to Mortgage 101, your guide home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, in Ottawa and Halifax. You know that song, Clinton? Oh, yeah. I know it. If you were at a party or a bar or club and that song came on, would you dance? Oh, I'd dance. I love a good little dance, especially on the weekend. <laughs> and if you're driving around in your car listening to us here on the weekend... 
You know, maybe you're doing a little dancing in your seat. As long as you're driving safely. Exactly. All right, let's talk about uh, the housing market in Halifax. And uh, you, this is something that uh, you want to talk about, uh, just simply because uh, inventory is is down, is it? Yeah, inventory is down basically at historic lows. Wow. Um, so right now we have about a couple hundred listings available in Halifax. Um, on this day, pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. 2019, and even looking back to 2018, uh, we'd normally have about 2,000 active listings. Wow. So, you know, it's a bit of a situation. Yeah, you don't say. Uh, I think if you're a first-time home buyer, it's challenging to get into the market. I'm not so much concerned for you and me, Todd. Like, we could sell our existing places, buy another place, whatever. So I'm not so concerned about us, but I'm concerned about first-time home buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, we're seeing a lot of bidding wars. You know, if you're moving here from another market, um, you're used to that, especially if it's in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some properties that are getting multiple, multiple offers and, you know, homes are selling for a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars over the listing price. I think that's a little bit of a symptom of maybe realtors pricing them a little bit too low. Right. You know, the prices have gone up. So like maybe the listings maybe should start at a bite of a, a higher price point. So I think that's a little bit of the symptom. And maybe that's why it's getting so much activity because they are priced too low. So, you know, I won't hold realtors 100% accountable for that. Obviously, the market is very, very hot. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we have more demand in the market than we have the supply. Um, and this is going to continue going on. Um, some of you who are listening are going to sell your home. I don't know that if a bank, the Bank of Canada increase is going to maybe spur people to sell their homes, but you know, if rates continue to increase, maybe more and more people will sell them. I think the consumers that were in financial hardship kind of pre-pandemic, some of those people who own homes have already sold. And I think that, you know, if you're still in a financial hardship type position today, selling your home is not a terrible idea. I'll be 100% honest with you. You know, if you're a retiree who's potentially thinking about, you know, moving into an apartment or into maybe a seniors living type situation, selling your home is basically opening the door to a first time home buyer. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's nothing, uh, you know, shameful of selling your home. You're basically getting the next generation into home ownership. In many households, the home is the biggest asset. And, you know, you buy your home uh, when you're a young person and you're going to work for the next 25, 30 plus years and you're going to pay down that mortgage. Um, And every month that goes by, you're going to have the mortgage paid down and hopefully the, the values continue to increase. Some people are asking us, well, wait, maybe we'll just wait until the, you know, the prices come back down. I don't think come down is in our future. <laughs> I'll be honest with and you. Not that much. They might drop a little bit, but nothing like they. I don't even think they're going to drop at all, Todd. I yeah. think we've right-sized our pricing. Yeah. I think our homes were probably undervalued before. And but ultimately, the market will determine the value. The of market home. will determine, and it's going to take a long time for us to increase the supply to the levels that it needs to be. Yeah. Um, you know, we are seeing that it could be 5, 10, 15, 20 years to get enough supply uh, online to meet the levels of demand. People are moving here. Um, you know, we the federal government has said that they're going to increase the amount of 
immigrants and, and refugees that they're going to take to Canada. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a percentage of those people will move to Halifax. Yeah. It is a desirable place to live. Uh, people are moving to BC and they're moving to Atlantic Canada. Um, you know, people want to live by the ocean. Nothing wrong with Ontario for our friends who are listening there or nothing wrong with the prairies. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing like being able to access the ocean. You know, I'm able to walk outside the door of my office tower and I can see the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. You know, in the Halifax Harbor. Yeah. But I'm able to see it every day. Yeah. Um, and that is special. And the, and the thing is that even though Halifax is a small city, we still have a lot of resources, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, we have new restaurants opening here like every couple of weeks, it seems. Yeah. And, there, and, you know, things are really, I think, booming and starting to open up. Uh, we're going through our reopening plan and um, things are going to be reopening on um, really March 21st. We're basically going to be, you know, living with COVID and getting back to more of a normal situation. Yeah. Uh, I think that's happening in Ontario as well. So I'm going to be curious to see kind of what happens. Is the people migrating to uh, Halifax and Atlantic Canada going to increase when things start opening up in other markets? I'm not sure. The one thing I do know is if the average house price is still around $500,000, you can't buy a one bedroom condo in Toronto for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have a good quality of life. And I think a lot of people are going to continue working at home or working remotely. And, um, you know, I think Halifax in some ways is a bit of the promised land. Um, I was on a call this week with the regulators in Nova Scotia and in New Brunswick. It was a group of us uh, through Mortgage Professionals Canada. And one thing that we kind of talked about that kind of struck home with me, um, you know, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, PEI, Newfoundland is kind of the last frontier of affordable housing. And it might not be in downtown Halifax, but there still is affordable housing in the province of Nova Scotia. You may just have to buy outside of the core. But I think that's what's kind of cool about Nova Scotia. Right. You know, if you can't afford the $500,000 house, maybe you can buy the $400,000 home or the $300,000 home or maybe the $200,000 home. There are still homes available in these price points. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we have a diverse coastline. We have a diverse topography in, in Nova Scotia. And, you know, I think it is a special place. You know, I was born here, so maybe I'm a little bit biased. Um, but I think it's a good place to do business as well. New construction that uh, you talk about housing inventory mm-hmm. and being a key part of dealing with that. What can you tell us about new construction? You know, there's some challenges, yeah. as you know. There was an article that came yeah. out this week that um, uh, there was a builder in Halifax that had four new construction homes that are nowhere near ready to be um, delivered to the people that they made the offers yeah. from. And, th- and we're going back now two years. Mm-hmm. These homes, um, in the article, it reported that the homes are now worth approximately $300,000 more than they were two years ago. Um, We're seeing this a lot with builders and doing new construction. Obviously, the cost of materials is up. The supply is down. And things are taking longer. Um, You know, we're seeing some new construction uh, get renegotiated kind of before closing. Some builders are coming and asking for price increases to cover some of their losses. In some, in some cases, builders will go bankrupt and they're going to lose their shirt because if they made agreements, you know, before, you know, uh, materials went up, before other costs went up, in, in some cases, they're delivering homes at a loss, mm-hmm. which is problematic. And I understand there's contracts. We feel for both sides. Obviously, I'm most concerned about my client. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and, but I feel their pain. Buying a resale home 
although very competitive right now, in some ways is a lot safer. You're knowing what you're getting. You can get it. It's delivered on time. And, you know, there's more certainty. And sometimes people think, you know, buying an, an, a new construction home is safer because it's brand new. But there certainly can be problems with new construction yeah. as well. Yeah. So I think a little bit of buyer beware and, you know, ask the right questions. All right. So we covered a lot of territory, as we always do. And if people have more questions about any of this stuff or they want to know more about you and what you do, how do they get a hold of you? What are the best ways? I think the first step is to check us out online at teamclinton.ca slash radio. Lots of information on there. We have over 500 blog posts, variety of different topics, and lots of contact information. You can surf to our social media pages uh, right from our website. So teamclinton.ca slash radio. Lots of great info. Thanks for tuning in. And, and if people are living in Ottawa and they want to move to Halifax, get a hold of you. Oh, Absolutely 100% right. get, a, get a hold of us. Uh, you know, we love helping people that want to do any mortgage lending, obviously, here in the province right. of Nova Scotia. All right. It's Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. And we appreciate the, you taking the time to listen. We'll be back next month.